Chapter Five of Peggy Raymond's School Days, or Old Girls and New, by Harriet Lemmis Smith. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Five, an extension of Thanksgiving. It was not an altogether satisfactory Thanksgiving day, which interrupted the labors of the week. For one thing, the skies were gray and a fine, almost invisible drizzle coated the sidewalks with a moisture which promptly froze, so that the outdoor world resembled a huge skating rink. Peggy had done her best to learn Friday's lessons, on Wednesday after school, but Mrs. Raymond was to have half a dozen guests for Thanksgiving dinner, most of them forlorn inmates of second-rate boarding-houses, and Peggy's study was interrupted too often to be fruitful. And though the Raymond's turkey had come to them from a farmer kinsman, and was fat and juicy and in every way a model of its kind the realization that she had not looked at her latin for the next day was a sort of death's head at peggy's feast on friday morning the drizzle had ceased but the skies were still overcast and the wind had a doleful sound as if it had overeaten the previous day and was regretting its indiscretion too late the four friendly terrace chums meeting on the corner on their way to school carried in their faces little reminiscent brightness from the day before i expect to drop off to sleep in every class grumbled amy you know we always have all the relatives for thanksgiving and it was quarter of one when i got into bed last night she interrupted herself with a comprehensive yawn which exerted its usual contagious influence the other girls yawned and blinked i hope miss phelps calls on me right away in virgil said peggy I shall make dreadful work translating anywhere after the first ten lines. Priscilla looked very much annoyed. Now, Peggy, why didn't you read your Latin with me? Because I haven't been able to study more than ten minutes at a time since I came home from school Wednesday. Getting a Thanksgiving dinner for ten people is no joke, let me tell you. Probably Victoria Wells will know every word, fretted Priscilla and a little ripple of irritation ruffled Peggy's wonted serenity. "'Victoria Wells? What is she to do with it?' Priscilla was vexed at her slip. "'Why?' she explained with suspicious fluency. "'It's only because I hate to have you beaten by a girl of that sort.' Peggy laughed. The very absurdity of the explanation helped to restore her to her wonted good humor. "'Victoria isn't much to look at but when it comes to latin and history it's no disgrace to be beaten by her ruth honey why don't you say something i feel too cross to want to talk owned honest ruth when graham is home for over sunday it does seem too provoking to start off to school that the friendly terrace girls were not singular in their feeling of dissatisfaction was evident enough as they entered the school building the girls crowding through the big doors came unsmilingly and marched straight to the cloakrooms, where they hung up their wraps almost in silence. Peggy was uncomfortably aware that the looks that came in her direction were decidedly cool. Human nature dearly loves a scapegoat. The deliberations of the senior meeting should have been a profound secret, but in the interval which had elapsed since Peggy had thrown her influence on the side of law and order, the impression had gone abroad that something might have been done to teach the school board a lesson if it had not been for Peggy Raymond. Friday was one of the days for assembly. Instead of going to the smaller rooms where they studied, the girls filed down to the big assembly hall, seating over a thousand. One could have guessed the humor of the audience by the vehemence with which the opera chairs slammed down as the girls took their places. 
Each report was like the crack of a revolver. The girls were at liberty to talk quietly up to five minutes before the opening, but few improved the privilege. When the opening bell rang at nine o'clock, there were many vacant seats, and an observer looking over the rows of indifferent faces would have guessed that the majority of those present were absentees in spirit. Dr. Radford, the principal, came upon the platform, escorting a distinguished-looking man in a gray business suit. A few pupils, who recognized the latter, straightened themselves and cast significant glances at their companions, less well-informed. Something like an electric current tingled through the listless assemblage. Faces grew suddenly animated. Eyes brightened. Curiosity and interest replaced the former indifferent gloom, and all before a word had been spoken. Dr. Radford came forward smiling. He looked like a man who had an agreeable message to deliver. "'I have an unusual pleasure this morning in introducing a speaker who would be listened to with interest and pleasure anywhere. Perhaps it would be indiscreet to call him our most distinguished citizen, but there is no question that our city feels it an honor that Mr. Roland Mackenzie belongs to us. Mr. Mackenzie will give you a brief talk on art.' A little gasp more eloquent than words went through the room at the mention of the visitor's name. Then, over in one corner, an impulsive girl clapped her hands, and in an instant it had swelled into a jubilant tumult. However much or little she knew of art, there was not a girl in the room who was not aware that Mr. Roland Mackenzie had the largest and most valuable private art collection on this side of the Blue Atlantic. The handsome building he had erected to house it was one of the sights of the city, though it was Mr. Mackenzie's private property, and only open to the public comparatively few days out of the year. Had Dr. Radford given the guests the title at which he hinted, that of the city's most distinguished citizen, there would have been no objectors in the girls' high school. The applause became an ovation. Mr. Mackenzie rose, looking frankly pleased with his reception. No matter how distinguished a man may be, nor how accustomed to honors, he is not likely to be indifferent to youthful homage. The uplifted shining faces, as well as the applauding hands, told him how big a place he had in the hearts of these girls of his own city. A little touched, a little surprised, and more than a little gratified, he bowed his acknowledgments and began his brief address. A high school girl's knowledge of art is likely to be fragmentary. Mr. Mackenzie evidently appreciated that fact, for he avoided all technicalities and made his talk delightfully simple and informal. At the end of twenty minutes he paused and consulted his watch. The girls waited expectantly. "'I'm sure you will agree with me,' said Mr. Mackenzie, "'that art cannot be learned from books or speeches. One good painting will teach you more than all the books that are written. When your principal brought me the invitation to address you this morning—' I consented on the condition that after my little talk I might receive you all as my guests at the gallery on Grace Street. Whatever else I have to say to you, I will say there. The clapping broke out again tumultuously. It really was a relief to the girls to find such an outlet for their feelings. It was necessary for Dr. Radford to come forward and raise his hand for quiet. A number of street cars are waiting at the door, he announced. Each marked special. Mr. Mackenzie insists on considering us his guests from the door of the building. The school will be open till one o'clock if you wish to return for your books, but there will be no further school exercises today. Had the invitation come at another time, the result might have been less spectacular, 
on any day of the year the prospect of exchanging the routine of schoolwork for a visit to the mackenzie art gallery with mr mackenzie as host would have awakened enthusiasm but coming as it did at a time when they all were a little dejected and inclined to consider themselves aggrieved the effect was magical every face beamed like a halloween jack-o'-lantern the girls who had come near staying at home were hilariously congratulating themselves that they had not yielded to that temptation the absentees were recalled by their friends with a sense of superior pity as if their loss were due to a regrettable lack of judgment peggy raymond just squirming in her jacket was suddenly seized and hugged by an enthusiastic sophomore peggy you dear thing cried the sophomore we might have gone on a strike and been parading with banners if it hadn't been for you and peggy realizing for the first time what such a demonstration would have meant in view of the rather elaborate preparations to give them a pleasure could not immediately find breath to answer even the sun entered into the spirit of the thing and the girls swarming out to take the cars found pale sunbeams struggling through the canopy of cloud eight street cars were in waiting and in spite of the unusual number of absentees each of the eight was crowded and as they glided through the busy thoroughfare with the sign special warning other passengers off the clamor of excited voices and the hilarious laughter brought people to their windows on both sides of the streets probably only one girl in a dozen could have told what she was laughing at and the twelfth girl would have failed to make her listeners see anything amusing in the speeches which called out such peals of merriment a little wit goes a long way amid such general joyousness peggy had visited the art gallery on several previous occasions but this morning she saw it with new eyes not only was mr mackenzie present to call attention to the fine points of some beautiful painting or to give the history of a rare bit of pottery but scattered through the building were a number of people who if not as well posted as himself were able to impart a great deal of interesting information regarding the collection even some of those paintings which peggy had always privately regarded as extremely ugly and uninteresting in spite of the fact that they were the handiwork of men whose names are revered wherever art is loved began to take on a different aspect to her untaught eyes humbly peggy realized that art is long and that the cocksure judgments of youth are very likely to be mistaken two hours is a long time in an art gallery it was a little before ten when the invading high school army took possession of the building and when the noon whistles began to blow everyone felt that she had had enough mr mackenzie stood near the door smiling on his youthful guests as they passed out peggy who was talking animatedly to amy did not realize how close she was to the host of the occasion it started out to be such an abominable day said peggy and then it turned into a perfectly gorgeous one just like magic at this point something impelled her to turn and she looked into mr mackenzie's laughing eyes the leaping of the blood to peggy's cheeks demonstrated the unexpectedness of the encounter but she returned his smile bravely that must be what they call white magic said mr mackenzie looking as if in this instance he had quite enjoyed being an eavesdropper the whitest kind and thank you so much the steady advance of several hundred girls in the rear swept peggy forward but she carried with her the recollection of a pleased look on a kind face not the least of the happy memories of the day the girls returned to the schoolhouse for their books and were halfway home before peggy's lightened heart prompted her to inquire girls doesn't this seem a hundred times more like thanksgiving than yesterday did it does to me priscilla agreed we might call it an extension of thanksgiving said ruth 
i always did think amy declared her expression of judicial gravity befitting the seriousness of the subject that turkey cold on the second day is even better than at first end of chapter five